2, starting at verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what, what, what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and then came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues, in other languages as the Spirit enabled them. Now, there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. Every nation under heaven? When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, are not all these people speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in his own native language? Like we got Parthians and Medes here. We got Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia. I saw some dudes over here from Pontus and some over here from Asia. Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to, to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own language. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they've had too much to drink. They're drunk. They've had way too much wine. And then Peter stood up with the 11, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Here's what's going on. Listen carefully to what I say. These people aren't drunk, as you suppose. This is nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people, your sons and your daughters. Oh, they'll prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men, they will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Mm, healed, put back together. Not sent off to heaven one day when we die, which is a part of what we believe, but that word saved is so big, healed, put back together, made whole again. Not just one day, someday later, when we all fly away. No, here, now, presently, in this moment, healed, whole, put back together again. Oh my goodness. So today's a special Sunday. Does anybody know what Sunday it is? Oh, come on. Some of y'all got to know. I heard somebody say it. Pentecost. Yeah. Right? Today is a special Sunday. So we, we celebrate together the birthday of the church. It's Pentecost. 
Uh, today is the Sunday where churches all around the world uh, talk about the coming of the Spirit. They look at this story in the Bible and talk about how God breathed out His Spirit on those faithful followers who are all gathered together in one place. Today is the day where churches all over the world talk about the presence of the Spirit in our lives. It's Pentecost. So for us, today is no different. We're going to open this book. And we've already read about the story of God's Spirit coming to those people who are all gathered in one place. Uh, we're, we're going to talk together about the presence of the Spirit in our lives. And, and I may dwell on this for a couple of Sundays after this. I haven't decided yet. More on that later. And so we're going to talk, we're going to sort of lean into this peculiar story about these disciples who were all gathered there and all of a sudden they had this sort of mystical experience when the Spirit showed up and sort of blew the doors off the room, right? But before we talk about that story, we're going to sort of, we're going to back up just a little wee bit. So here's the deal. Before this happened, Jesus ascended into heaven. Before he ascended into heaven, he told his followers to wait in Jerusalem because he was going to send them power on high power from on high when the Spirit comes, right? So they waited. And while they waited, you know, you know they were wondering about all the things that had happened to them. They just had the craziest three years of their lives, following Jesus around for three years, watching him do some really amazing, extraordinary things. It was like nothing they had ever experienced before, right? They experienced this person, God in the flesh, who showed us exactly what God is like, more loving and more gracious and more kind than, than we ever thought possible. And then he crossed all sorts of barriers. He included people who were excluded. He loved the unlovable. I mean, this guy was amazing. And then what happened was he was crucified. They killed him, dead, buried in a tomb. And then three days later, what? He rose again. He was risen from the grave. And then he appeared to them over the course of 40 days, teaching them about the kingdom of God, telling them all about God's dream for the world. And so when they got to Jerusalem, you can sort of understand how, how they would gather together and they asked each other all sorts of really important, valid questions. You could hear them wondering things like, was this thing, does this resurrection thing something that just happened to Jesus, or are we somehow included in that? Is there new life possible, really? What is this whole thing about? They, they were probably wondering together whether or not they were going to have to face the tough reality of gritting their teeth and moving through life, moving forward without their best friend, without their teacher, without their Lord, without their master, without this Jesus. You know they were wondering what is next? What in the world are we going to do? Most, if not all of them, surely doubted about all sorts of different things. Most, if not all of them, were we're surely afraid. So you can see them all gathered together in that room, sort of murmuring, talking about what is next, acknowledging their fears, acknowledging their doubts when all of a sudden it happened. Just like Jesus said it would, suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. And from then on, from that moment on, this little band of Jesus followers just went boom. It just exploded. 
Peter, in that moment, stood up and he preached the very first Christian sermon. And and Luke tells us that, you know what? 3,000 people joined the movement right then and and right there. And then, over the next few years, uh, Luke tells us that the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And soon, when when the calendar flips over to 310 A.D., You've got this community that moved from this little, tiny, little group of people to over 20 million in less than 200 years. 20 million men, women, and children just like that. So it's a movement that changed the world forever. And it's a movement that continues to change the world as the people of God work with God to work out God's will in the world The whole people commandeered to work with God at the restoration, transformation, and renewal of all things. Oh, and it all came. It all started right here. This is the birthday of the church when the Spirit came and filled the whole house where they were sitting. Oh. So what does that little story say to us? What, what What are some of the things that it reveals to us? I think it reveals a whole bunch of things, but we're going to talk about a few of them. The first thing is this. I think at very least it says this, that the church isn't the church without the Spirit. The church, we're not the church without the Spirit. Let me say it again. The church isn't the church without the Spirit. The people of God must be fueled and empowered by the presence of the Spirit, the Spirit. Now, in the Bible, there are all sorts of images that are used to sort of get at this reality of this person we call the Spirit. Spirit, wind, breath, fire, dove. So this morning, we're going to talk about a few of those things. And we're going to, we're going to start with this idea of wind, right? Wind, breath. If you'll remember, in the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void, and darkness covered the face of the deep, while the Spirit, the Ruach of God, was hovering over the face of the waters. So over the face of the chaos, it was like this messy muck, and there's the Spirit of God. And then God said, breathed out, let there be light, and there was light, and a universe was born. Right? So we understand that this spirit is, has some sort of generative quality to it. It creates things. It makes things new. So this wind of God, this breath of God sort of creates in us people, human beings, certain unique gifts and abilities. And then the wind of God sort of gives us the, the power to use those gifts. The spirit, the holy wind is the spirit, is the presence that finally gets us up off our cans and moving Not just moving, but moving in the direction that God wants us to go. This presence, this wind, this spirit gives us a sense of purpose, a sense of calling, right? If you read through the book of Acts, you'll see the people of God moving all over the place in sort of a frenetic pace. They go this way and then they go that way. We talked about this same holy wind about three or four weeks ago when we, when we talked about Paul in Acts chapter 16. They wanted to go into Asia. It was like their mission was to Asia and the Spirit said, stop, no, don't go there. Go the other way. And so instead they made their way to Philippi in Macedonia. 
right? Without the holy wind, without the spirit, we can do nothing. We can say nothing and we can go nowhere. The church isn't the church without the spirit, period, end of sentence. (laughs) The church isn't the church without paying attention to the spirit. The spirit is the thing that animates us, gets us up, gets us moving, gets us going and gives us the power to get there. Leonard Sweet tells a story about an organist. You know what an organ is, musical instrument? Be aware of these things. They used to be played in churches all the time. Some churches still use them. And actually, I quite like the sound of an organ. Uh, But we don't have one because they're too big for a space like this and really expensive. Anyway, there was an organist who was playing this concert for this great crowd of people. And his first half of his performance was so phenomenally, amazingly awesome that at the, at the end of the first half, when it got to intermission, the stunned audience stood up and applauded and was hooting and hollering and screaming. And he was so taken aback and so in the moment that he got up and he gave a speech. And in his speech, he said this, that might be the best performance I have ever had. Can you imagine me, by the way, in the middle of a sermon, like stopping halfway through and being like, this has got to be (laughs) the nerve of the dude. Anyway, while he was speaking, making this speech, the custodian who was backstage making sure that air was going through the organ so that it would make sound, came out on stage next to the performer and took a bow and he whispered to him, I agree, this is like our best performance ever. And then they walked off stage. And as they got off stage, the organist just ripped the guy, just laid into him. What do you mean our performance? You didn't go to music school. You're not the one who reached into the depths of your soul to perform a a performance like that. No. And then, so the guy sort of shrank off into the darkness where there was weeping and gnashing of teeth. And then he came out for the second half of his performance. He put his hands down and his feet on the pedals and started to play and nothing happened. <laughs> and then he tried again and nothing happened. And everybody realized the custodian wasn't putting any air through the organ. No air, no wind, no music. No air, no wind, no music, no spirit. No wind, no church. The spirit is the thing that animates us, that makes us move, that gets us off of our cans and gets us going in the direction that God wants us to go. No spirit, no church. Paul once said this, we live in the spirit and since we live by the spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit, almost as if the Spirit is another individual walking alongside of us all the time. Let us keep in step with the Spirit. Are we paying attention to the Spirit? Are we paying attention to the wind? Jesus said about the wind, that, about the Spirit, that the Spirit is like the wind. You don't know where it's coming from or where it's going, right? Sometimes it pushes us to go into new places that we've never been before. Sometimes it forces us to go into places that we don't want to go, places where we don't want to confront. Are we paying attention to the Spirit? Are we allowing ourselves to be moved by 
the Spirit. It pushes us. We don't know where it's coming from. We don't know where it's going, but somehow we harness the power of the wind and we are used by God in amazing things. Are we paying attention? Where is the wind blowing you? How is the wind confronting you? Are you paying attention to the wind? It is the power in our lives. So that's this first image. There's this other image in the Bible that I want to sort of lean into um, this morning because I want to. comes from a different story. comes from the story of Jesus' baptism in Matthew's telling of the Jesus story. So when Jesus was baptized, this is what Matthew tells us what happened. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the spirit of God descending upon him like a dove and lighting on him. Oh, it's like this. It's like, we don't know. It's this sort of weird mystical story, right? We don't know if anybody else there saw that happen. We've no idea if anybody else had this experience. It was almost certainly Jesus told somebody about it, told his followers about it later at the very least. But Jesus has this sort of mystical experience where the heavens open and he becomes aware of another presence, of a deeper presence, the spirit there descending upon him like a dove. How would you feel if a dove descended upon you and landed on your shoulder? And like you could feel its talons on your shoulder. How would you feel if a dove descended on you and landed on your shoulder and and like you had to walk around with that dove on your shoulder all the time and you were always aware of its presence. How would that change the meeting? How would that change breakfast? How would that change your conversation with your neighbor if you were aware of that presence right there on your shoulder? How would that change the way you walk through the checkout at Walmart? It would change things, wouldn't it? If you were aware of the presence right there on your shoulder all the time, you would be aware of some sort of presence that's always available right there in the room. So it wouldn't just be you and another person having a conversation. It wouldn't just be you participating in an ordinary meeting. It wouldn't just be you at some event. It wouldn't just be you in that conversation. There would be, you'd be aware of that presence. If there was a dove sitting on your shoulder all the time, you would be aware of another presence available to you in the room all the time. So in this story, you have Jesus who has this sort of mystical experience of a dove coming out of heaven. He's aware of this other presence there. And here's why I think this is significant. I think it's significant in that story because then everything after that, everything that Jesus did and said that's recorded in this book and other things that didn't get written down in this book, everything he did, everything he said was empowered by an awareness of that presence every single moment of every single day. In other words, Jesus seemed to be aware that there's more happening in the room right now. 
than other people might be aware of. Jesus seemed to be aware of this something more that is present and always available. And it is in the power of that presence that, that Jesus had the power to, to teach, to love, to heal, to bring grace and mercy into the lives of the people all around him, always available. Right? Are we paying attention to that something more in the room? Are we paying attention to the dove on our shoulder? Are we, are we paying attention to that presence that's always available to us at all times? Do we make life decisions or any decisions at all with the awareness of God's presence? Or are most of us sort of walking through life trying to do things all on our own? I mean, we love to be in control. Does anybody not love to be in control? We love to be in control. We're taught that we are in control of our own lives, that our future is up to us. We make of it what we want it to be. Right? Let's be honest about things. Most of us walk around in this world like we're little kings and kings of our own kings and queens of our own little of our own little kingdoms. Right? We are in control. Right? We make our own decisions. All the while that dove is sitting on our shoulders just waiting for us to ask him to leave. I once heard someone say that the sin of the garden, we're talking way back in the garden of Eden, that the sin of the garden wasn't that we wanted to be like God. That's not what it was because in reality, we were already like God. We were made in God's image. In his likeness, we'd been created. Male and female, he created us. So the sin of the garden isn't that we wanted to be like God. The sin of the garden is that we wanted to be like God without God. Are we paying attention to the presence in the room, to that something more that is always there available to us? Are we, are we aware of the dove on our shoulder? What would it look like if we actually paid attention to that dove on our shoulder, everywhere we go, walking around in this world, that presence always available to us. Oh, so the spirit, it's like wind. It blows us where it wants us to go. It gives us the power to move. And it's also sort of this, this personal pre- presence that's always available to us. As we try to walk through this life, trying to control every little thing, are we paying attention to the presence of that dove on our shoulder? So that's the first image. That's the first thing. We aren't the church without the spirit. The church isn't the church without the spirit. Here's the second thing I want to say. The Spirit, I love this part of the story. The Spirit creates a peculiar kind of community that experiences unity in great diversity. So the Spirit does this crazy thing, creates this peculiar kind of community that experiences a kind of unity in great diversity. So I've talked about this before, but I'm going to come at this from a different angle. This story that we have here this morning is sort of a, some people call it a reversal. 
And the more I think about it, I like to think about it as more of a fulfillment. Like this is where things were heading way back when. And oh, now it's happening. Now it's got some juice to it. Now it's going. So, so it's like this story is a fulfillment of a story found in Genesis chapter 11, way back again at the beginning, the story of the Tower of Babel. If you'll remember in that story, the people of the world wanted to make a name for themselves. They wanted to grasp at or they wanted to experience a kind of godlike power by, by building a tower that reaches to the heavens. And they wanted to do it under one common language and one imperial culture. And so what they were trying to do is to be like God, but without God. And then the story says, God says, let's go down there. So they're building this tower to the heavens, and God's like, isn't that cute? Let's go down there. And then God scrambles their languages and scatters the people. And it's like, you think you can do this without me? Now you're scattered, and you don't understand each other. Try to do it without me now. And it's like God's vote for diversity in the world. Oh, and then here in this story, you've got the scattered people from every nation under heaven. Luke is very intentional about that. They're all gathered together in one place and they all speak different languages and suddenly this weird thing happens and they all hear about the power and the presence of God spoken to them in their own language they experience this sort of peculiar kind of community that experiences unity in great diversity. And they were all amazed and perplexed, Luke says. And then later on that day, this experience was so profound, so amazing, so unlike anything they had ever experienced before, that like 3,000 people later on that day said, I'm in, I want more of that. So good. Look, here's the deal. Aside from us being mostly all uh, lily white, there's a great diversity of thought and personality and gifts up in this space. It's astounding, the diversity, as I think about it. We've got people on the right and we've got people on the left. We've got people who are Republican, and we've got people who are Democrat. We've got, we've got people who voted for Trump, and people who voted for Hillary, and other people who said, forget it, I'm not voting this year. I know these things because we have conversations. I know these things because you've told these things to me. We have people in this room who have very different ideas about how economics ought to play itself out in this country in which we live. We have people who have very different ideas about human sexuality in this room. We have people with very different ideas about the state of race relations in this country. We have people with very, very different ideas about what to do about gun violence in this place. We have, we have a diverse group of people. Like, it's astounding to me 
the diversity of thought and personality that we have in this room. And yet, here we are. Here we are. All gathered together in one place. And we're all gathered together here, experiencing a kind of unity in diversity only made possible by the presence in the room. Only made possible by the dove on our shoulders. And this sort of this sort of spirit enables us and empowers us in our diversity to do some pretty peculiar things, some pretty weird things together, like not worship together one morning and instead trek on over to Walmart, buy a bunch of groceries, and later on in the week, give those groceries to a food pantry in, play, in town. Like, it empowers us in our diversity to do some peculiar things, like gather all the stuff, the old stuff in our house, our houses and sort of sell it all, not so that we can then buy new carpet for this space, which would be really cool, by the way. No, not so that we can do something like that, but so that we can make a bunch of money, hopefully, and then just give that money away to an organization that's already doing some really amazing things, helping people in our community who need it the most. It, it, it allows us in our diversity, it, brings us together so that together we can sort of give ourselves away. And this isn't something that we see all that often out there, is it? It isn't. Like it's astounding. Out there, it's very binary. It's very dualistic. Out there, it's right, it's left, it's this or that, it's right or wrong. Right? Out there, it's very polarized and polarizing. Right? But in here, we have this sort of unity within diversity. And sometimes when I talk about this sort of diversity with, with people, sometimes I'll say to them something like this, I don't know how this happened. Like we really have some very diverse people in this room. Whether you know it or not, it blows me away and makes me tired. It makes my job really hard until I realize, you know what? I do know how this happened. I know exactly how this happened. And it isn't up to me to keep it all together. It happened because of the presence in the room. It happens because of the, the dove on our shoulders that we get to experience this unity in diversity. Oh, here's the last thing I want to say. It's the spirit that then allows us to bear witness to that which we experience here in this place. It allows us to sort of give voice, to, to speak about, to bear witness to the, the thing that keeps us coming back. Bear witness to, to the thing that, that gets us up, to the, to the person, the presence that gets us moving, the, the, the presence that drives us, the, the presence that allows us to, to do what we do together in our diversity. Right? So talk to your friends about it. Talk to your neighbors about it. This isn't some creepy, weird place. It's pretty extraordinary what God does up in here. Talk to your friends. Talk to your coworkers. Talk to your family members. Invite them to experience what we experience here in this place so that more and more people can experience the love of God that we experience here. Let them know that wherever it is, they, wherever they stand on any of those issues that I talked about, 
or anything else, that guess what? There's a place for them. I promise you, there's a place for them. Look, here's the deal. There's no dissension of the Spirit without first the ascension of Jesus. And there's no ascension of Jesus without the resurrection of Jesus. And there's no resurrection without the crucifixion. And there's no crucifixion without first God becoming one of us in the person of Jesus in the incarnation, showing us exactly who God is and who we are meant to be as human beings. And there's no incarnation without the extraordinary, almost unfathomable love of God. And it's that love of God that we get to experience here together in all our diversity because of the presence in the room, because of the dove on our shoulder. Are we paying attention to the presence that's always available to us? Thank God for the Spirit. Let's pray. God, thank you for for this story.